Welcome to the Jewish Lives Podcast, a monthly show by Jewish Lives, the prize-winning biography series published by Yale University Press and Leon D. Black Foundation. I'm your host, Alessandra Wallner. In each episode, we explore the life and legacy of an influential Jewish figure. Today, we're looking at Ruth, icon of the Torah and founding mother of the Davidic dynasty. In the second part of the show, I'll sit down with Alana Pardes, author of the Jewish Lives biography, Ruth, A Migrant's Tale. If you like what you hear, rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a friendly review. Thank you in advance. You can learn more about our books at jewishlives.org. Join us as we explore the Jewish experience together. From the text of the Bible, we learn that the time of the judges was, quote, a time when every man did what was right in his own eyes. It was also a time when a woman named Ruth did right by another in such a radical way that it changed the course of history. Ruth was a native of Moab. She married a Judean man who had immigrated to her homeland. When her husband brother-in-law, and father all die, Ruth makes a radical decision, deciding to follow her bereft mother-in-law, Naomi, back to Naomi's ancestral home of Bethlehem. Naomi, tired from the road and ground down by grief, stops to tell Ruth she is a broken old woman with nothing to offer. She urges her daughter-in-law to go back to her family in Moab, marry again, and start anew. Ruth responds with an astonishing pledge to her mother-in-law. Wherever you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. Ruth begins life in her new home in Judea as a humble gleaner, also known as a harvester, in the fields of Boaz, a distant kinsman of her dead husband. After a daring midnight conversation with Boaz on the threshing floor, Ruth becomes his wife and ultimately the great-grandmother of King David. Ruth's journey from Moab to Bethlehem as a lowly migrant to glorified foremother is the most detailed story of any woman in the Bible. With each passing era, her story of devotion and kindness has remained fresh, inspiring sages, mystics, artists, nationalists, and advocates of social justice anew. Eons later, what is it about Ruth that keeps us by her side. Discover a wide-ranging exploration of the story of Ruth, a foreigner who became the founding mother of the Davidic dynasty in the new Jewish Lives biography, Ruth, A Migrant's Tale by Alana Pardis. Save 25% for a limited time only. Just use code RUTH at checkout only at jewishlives.org.
Ilana Pardes is Catherine Cornell Professor of Comparative Literature and the Director of the Center for Literary Studies at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Her scholarship has focused on the nexus of the Bible, literature, and culture, and on questions of aesthetics, hermeneutics, and gender. Ruth, A Migrant's Tale is her sixth book. Welcome to the Jewish Lives Podcast. Thank you. Ruth has been characterized in many different ways in what, in the book, you call her afterlife. And why did you choose to emphasize Ruth's identity as a migrant specifically? Yes, um, it's it's really fascinating to follow the different ways in which she was reimagined. I focus on the question of migration because I think it's the most compelling and relevant question for our own times. I mean, with the millions of migrants and refugees, I think the book of Ruth is some something of an invitation to reflect on on the question of migration. With its deep humanity, it's really an opportunity to think about the experience of migration, not only about abstract uh, notion of migration. It's really a remarkable tale. So the inciting incident of the text is Ruth leaving her people and committing herself to a widow, to Naomi, in a world where women live or die according to the protection of men. So I'm curious, do you see Ruth's story as an anti-patriarchal story? Well, <laughs> it's tempting, of course. The biblical world is patriarchal, but it doesn't mean that you don't have a sort of antithetical voices within it, because one of the things that characterizes the biblical text is its heterogeneity. You do have checks where women have the kind of agency uh, that we may define today as anti-patriarchal, but it's, it's exceptional within a patriarchal system. So I, this this would be uh, one way to perceive uh, this exceptional decision on the part of Ruth to follow a widow. It's the exceptional goodness of Ruth uh, and and boldness, a, a sort of audacity to choose such a destiny uh, that um, makes it such a remarkable moment. So this part of Ruth's story is often sometimes read as feminist. But there are other parts of the story that come later that are read as anti-feminist, like uh, Ruth's real submission to Boaz, and then when she has her son, and what she does with when the ha- what happens to that baby, and then even how Ruth is remembered. And so, how does this story contain this paradox of these two completely opposed interpretations? Yes, again, it's 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 one of the things that makes the Bible so interesting because it's read even by feminists in different ways and by anti-feminists in different ways. So it's it depends on what you want to emphasize in the text itself. Then you think of the ending where a son is born to Ruth. This is in many ways the goal of it all because this son happens to be the grandfather of King David. And David appears in the genealogy that uh, with which the text concludes. So I think in, in uh, you know many traditional commentaries, Ruth is primarily remembered as the you know great grandmother of King David. That's a possible interpretive route. I find it less inter- interesting to focus solely on that angle of it. You know, women's agency wasn't invented in the 20th century with the rise of feminism. I think that one of the things that a feminist approach allows us to consider are the ways in which 
women in ancient times and in earlier periods managed to insist on their agency. So, and I think this is what we get in the, in the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, we have women who are concerned with each other and not so much with the, or not only with the men of their lives. Ruth is a common name for women that women take when they convert to Judaism. What's the history or the tradition behind that? In late antiquity, Ruth becomes a convert, an exemplary convert. This is not a biblical concept. In the Bible, you do not have conversions altogether. It's, it's a concept that was invented in late antiquity by the rabbis as they try to distinguish themselves from Christians and pagans. But once conversion is invented, then Ruth is perfect for them because in many ways, she's the ideal convert insofar as, I mean, what, what they highlight is primarily her oath of loyalty where she commits herself to Naomi's God and people. This is what is of interest to the rabbis. I mean, conversion within the Jewish context is not only religious, it's also communal. It means joining a community. So they would have had to invent Ruth if she weren't there, you know, so. And in another interpretation that you write about, she is the subject of many paintings. And eventually she became one of the most popular female biblical figures in Western art. So what's your favorite rendering and what's some of that history? Well, I have many favorite paintings, but I guess my I primarily vote for Poussin's painting. It's the inaugural rendition of Ruth and Boaz in the field where, you know, the pastoral Ruth is invented. So we're talking about Baroque art, French Baroque, 17th century. And it's really a beautiful, remarkable painting where the sort of warmth of color and the movement of the sheaves and the fields of wheat and the light. I think it's Poussin basically saying, you know, this is nature and humanity at its best, sort of highlighting the benevolence of Boaz, highlighting the blissfulness of the fields and the generosity of people towards each other. Not necessarily as something that is common in reality, but something that you could aspire to have in your life. And there's another artistic tradition that she shows up in later, which is the Zionist movement. And she came to be both rendered and seen or looked to as an aspirational figure. Can you tell us a little bit about that artistic tradition? Well, in many ways, early Zionist artists are influenced by these European traditions of the pastoral gleaner in the fields. Uh, but they translated into Zionist terms. Within the Zionist context, she becomes an exemplary pioneer. She becomes a pioneer woman. So when she's in the fields, she's there as an agricultural worker also, because, you know, the Book of Ruth is one of the privileged texts within the sort of Zionist uh, exegesis. Again, when you think about it from a Zionist perspective, then it becomes a story of a happy return to the land of Israel. And it has all these agricultural scenes. And, you know, the kibbutznik, of course, think of themselves or envision themselves as continuing the agricultural tradition of biblical times. Um, so again, you know, she, she acquires a different look and a different role. But this is early Zionism. What you do find, you know, from the 1990s on is something very different, where she 
becomes a paradigmatic stranger and a migrant within, you know, contemporary Israeli society. There's a significant change between early Zionism and sort of contemporary Israeli art and literature. You just mentioned in your last answer an important word in Ruth's story, this identity of the gleaner. What is that word and what's its history? Uh, it's a very interesting uh, practice or law in, in, in the biblical world. It has been carried out for centuries, by the way, uh, beyond the biblical period. There's a law of gleaning in Deuteronomy, and it's part of biblical welfare. It's part of the biblical welfare and an attempt to provide the poor and the impoverished, primarily the, the categories that the biblical text uses or biblical law is sort of the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. And they're considered as the quintessential poor and underprivileged. And it is the responsibility of landowners to provide them with some kind of sustenance, and basically allowing them to gather the leftovers after the harvest. So this is what gleaning is all about. And it is perceived as an ethical call. I mean, the law is, is based on a uh, a reminder that, you know, you too were slaves in Egypt. So you need to identify with the suffering of others and to care for the poor. So Ruth is a gleaner and she has the right to glean both as a stranger and as a widow. But I'm also interested in gleaning as a metaphor. When I was trying to perceive, to define my project as a biographer of Ruth, I thought, oh, to be a biography of Ruth means to become a gleaner. And that is to find life in remainders, in minute details, because, you know, the book of Ruth is not really a book. It's a very short story of four chapters. It requires work and efforts to, and, and, and an effort to find, to find life in sort of minute details. So uh, I think um, gleaning, I use gleaning in the figurative sense as well. And circling all the way back around to the beginning, you talked about Ruth's role as a migrant seeming like the most relevant to the 21st century. And I'm curious what parallels, if any, you see in her story with the Ukrainian refugees fleeing the war with Russia. You know, watching the news and seeing the Ukrainian women fleeing with their children, I couldn't but think of Ruth as well. I mean, this I think that what you do have in both cases is a reminder that there are certain specificities of the lives of women migrants, because the crisis of the refugees in the Ukraine has to do with the fact that most of them are women, women and children, men, men are left behind. So some of the tragedy of this particular scene has to do with the fact that these are women fleeing the war with Russia. And, and the fact that they have the challenge they face in trying to both worry about or take care of their children and find some source of living. So it's it's very different from Ruth. Actually, their major problem is childlessness. And here you have women with children. But nonetheless, you're dealing with lives of women. And I think today there's more and more attention is given to in, in uh, studies of migration to the specific conditions of women. And to conclude, if you could meet Ruth, is there anything you'd say to her or you'd ask her? If I were to ask her one question, I would ask her whether she ever woke up at night and wondered what would have happened if she returned to uh, Moab. What really disappears after the first chapter is, is Moab. 
you know, her homeland. So I, I guess that would be one of the questions I'd ask. <laughs> but of course, there are many more. Ilana Pardes, thank you so much for joining the show to talk about your book, your new book, Ruth, A Migrant's Tale. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to join you. Are you looking for a new Jewish podcast? Then check out The Two Tall Jews Show, supported by NextGen, Inc. and WJC. Hosts Mayer and Isaac speak with guests spanning the gamut of the Jewish experience to dive into everything from the spiritual and biblical to the historical and cultural. They engaged in nuanced conversations sparked by their Jewish history-themed social media feeds. On Instagram, that's at On This Day in Jewish History, and on Twitter, it's at Daily Jewish. History and Judaism don't take vacations, and neither do the Two Tall Jews. Check out The Two Tall Jews Show. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. The Jewish Lives Podcast is made possible by the Leon D. Black Foundation. Special thanks to our partners at Yale University Press, Jewish Lives Editorial Director Eileen Smith, Series Editors Anita Shapira and Stephen J. Zipperstein, Managing Director Rebecca Keyes, and to Linda Brennan and Ruby Elliott Zuckerman. The Jewish Lives Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Alessandra Wallner. Our music is composed by Barry J. Cohen. As Groucho Marx once said, outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. Watch for forthcoming Jewish Lives titles, including Arthur Miller and Sidney Riley.